Welcome to Nicole Zizi on Air, hosted by artist and designer Nicole Zizi. Here we talk transparently about all things creative, from entrepreneurship, art, music, design, tech, sustainability, business ownership, and much more. Stick around to hear from creatives of all walks of life as they intimately share their experiences, tips, and advice. Hey everyone, it's your host, Nicole Zizi. Today I have another special guest, Eartha Klett, known for her works in fine art and also fashion customization, as well as styling. Today I, I wanted to bring her on to break down her experiences as a creative, as well as like talk about her new creations and how she's able to manage being both a painter, stylist. Hey Eartha, how are you doing today? How did you get your start in art? Pretty good. I'm great today. Um, Being a visual artist of many mediums, it's like, I feel like I've always wanted to do so much as a kid, Um, especially as far as art, but I never really knew how to like actually apply it into a career until after high school, like kind of like first or second semester of college type thing. Um, I kind of had like an epiphany and you know, I, as a, as a kid growing up, I, art was the only thing that really made me feel like good. Like it made me feel good about myself. Um, and that's, that's what the epiphany was, I guess. Like, you know, entering college, I was taking psychology and I liked the class, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. I was very lost. Like coming out of high school, I literally had no idea what I wanted. Like, you know, my parents were like, Oh, I think psychology would good, we would get would be good for you, or like writing or whatever. And I was just like, yeah, I guess so. But I knew that wasn't something that really made me happy. I knew it wasn't something I wasn't very passionate about. And um, you know, go just going through the motions, going through growing pains, which is growing up and becoming a, a young adult. Um, I realized, like, you know, that was the one thing that really made me feel like whole in a way. And it ended up, you know, not just being through drawing and sketching, which was something, you know, I would usually do, you know, just doodling. I ended up taking up mediums like oil pastel um, and then watercolor, which is still one of my favorite mediums, just because it's something so tangible. And it like that form of art to me, it was something that is so precious to me because it learned, like, it made me learn so much about myself. I felt like going through different mediums, learning different mediums, it always teaches me something new about myself, or I sometimes feel like some part of me has been, like, rejuvenated in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, after watercolor, I got into other, you know, uh, painting mediums like oil and acrylic, but then I started getting into digital art and I found it so much cheaper I found it so much better as far as like in terms of being resourceful because you know as a college student you're broke like you don't have a lot of money and then you know your parents don't really help out with finances too too much um I used my mom's old iPad that she didn't use anymore it was like literally the first or second generation iPad and I just started you know illustrating I had this mentor also before I started like my 
my first, first or second uh, year of college, he kind of like forced me to just start using Illustrator and Photoshop before even taking classes on it. And that's something that really helped me too, because I feel like I get like the same kind of like reception um, from all art students, you know, whenever they're in art school, they say they, they have a hard time finding their niche or they feel like they only really know like the more technical perspective and they don't really know how to really launch themselves into their art. So that's something I've been pretty grateful for. Something that, you know, I, I've really evolved in. I feel like, um, I'm glad that I have like my own distinctive style you know, you could you can find my art in any medium and be like, that looks like clits, that looks like something she would do, or that is her art, you feel me? Um, just being able to really be well-rounded and being hungry, I'll find myself being adequate at a certain medium or a certain skill, and then I'll push myself to do something else. Something else that I, I haven't done before, like 3D, you know, different illustrating softwares. Like I've used Autodesk, which is pretty cool. It's actually a free app. If there are any new artists or people that want to get into digital art, Autodesk Sketch has free software program and they have really cool brushes. Just using that and doing my research and just remaining hungry as an artist, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I felt like also when I was in college, just taking taking art. Art history is something that was really influential to me becoming like the artist or the visual artist that I am today. A lot that makes of sense. Yeah, a, a lot of people they don't they don't really know a lot about history or the history of art. Like even in terms of ancient art art history, and we take you know we take influence from from past artists all the time we just don't know we don't know who they are so we automatically just think like oh this shit I'm doing is new but in reality you're you're just putting your own little stamp on what somebody else has done before Mm -hmm. so you you would say your first start in art was drawing is that how you got started yeah I've always been like a doodler as a kid just sketching and like I've always had this wild imagination like growing up I would watch I was huge on cartoons like any other kid and I would always want like my own cartoon show and I would like draw that or I would um I would like literally like draw my own characters for like my own show like I would be doing like character development like writing down their traits and like their hair and like all types of cool stuff um that and like my dad he got me into art too like we used to paint and stuff together when I was little is your dad an artist or it was just an activity you guys would do? Um, he, I feel like he wants to tap more into his artistry, but you know, he's more, he's more of a very like masculine macho man, but he's really into like interior decor. It's actually really cool. Uh, one of his favorite um, artists is actually Mark Rothko. Like, whenever we go to museums and stuff like he'll damn near like be shedding a tear looking at some of his mural paintings or like James Pollock it's pretty cool that is cool yeah 
And it's really dope that your parents introduced you to art at a young age, like outside of just doing, uh, you know, the basic like drawing aspect. Yeah. I actually drew this picture of my grandma. Sorry to cut you off, but like that was like one of like, I don't know, the things my family was like, she can draw, like she can actually like make good art. I was like seven or eight and I drew this portrait of my grandma and it was actually a really good portrait. Like a great portrait, actually. You drew it, yeah. Black, black and black, black pencil type of drawing. Yeah, and it looked just like her, and they were like very amazed at it. Or like the first first instant instance actually was um I was like they thought I was copying like tracing, but I literally just like redrew this little cartoon bear that I found like on a coloring book. And my grandma was like, you traced that? I was like, no, I did not. Like, <laughs> I literally just drew it. <laughs> I just drew it. And I started doing that more. And I was so big on, like, graphic novels and comics and, like, manga. I would go on the internet and I would, to this website called Snafu Comics, redraw some of the characters. Because there is this one artist named Bleedman. And, like, he made this super dope graphic novel it's like a a doujinshi comic which is basically like it's kind of like a whole like re reimagining of like an already done show so he did a doujinshi of the powerpuff girls and me i was obviously super into the powerpuff girls as a kid and it was like anime style it was manga style so i was like I was super geeked over it. I would bring my little drawings. This kids would be on my head thinking I traced that shit. And I'd be like, you know, I I would I would show them like to actually draw. And that was like the beginning, beginning, like of me really tapping into my artistic power, you know. You would say that that was around the age of seven, eight? Yeah, about that age, definitely. I don't know. I guess I, I had develop better skill of drawing like Mm -hmm. my hand-eye coordination was just better and I was just Mm -hmm. able to really see stuff like the way the way I found out how to draw thinking of everything is just different shapes and just trying to put those shapes together and in the same proportion like whenever I was drawing the same that's just how I saw it whether it was geometric organic and I was just able to really place those shapes and really just being able, I was able to just do it well. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. At seven or eight, I was playing video games. I wasn't even <laughs> attempting to draw realistic figures. <laughs> Most yeah. of my works were just mermaid kid drawings. And you were out here drawing your grandma, your grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's cool, though. Like, I... I wish I was more into video games. I definitely was more of a tomboy as a kid. Like I didn't really get out of, like being a tomboy until I was in high school. I definitely, I definitely always liked video games. Like I used to, play, I think it was like Sonic Riders or something. Like it was like that game when Sonic and like all his friends and stuff they were on like hoverboards. They would like race around like different different areas and at that game I had Paper Mario. That was my. Sh- I was a tomboy too. I'm still a tomboy, but that's besides the point. I had Buffy the Vampire. I was super scared to play that game. I shouldn't have had it, but I had Buffy <laughs> the Vampire Slayer. And what we do as a child is super important as far as developing skills that can move towards your future. I feel like if I didn't play video games or get into technology at a young age, I I wouldn't have become the person that I am today. 
Oh yeah. Which oh yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely cuz like, you know, that's all I did. I was I was on, I'm an only child or I was raised an only child. I was in the house most of the time, so, you know, my mom, my I didn't live with my dad. My dad didn't live with me. I was it was just me and my mom. And, you know, my mom, she would pretty much just cook and then do do her own thing. We didn't I didn't really like have playmates or anything when I was home. Um so I'll be by myself and I'll be bored, so I'll either draw or read. Like, that was the two biggest things, like, I did. And, man, like, I remember just, you know, aside from, like, Lemony Snicket and shit, I started getting into manga. And that was, like, it was over. Like, it was over for me. I I always watched, like, anime just from um, VHS tapes. Like, I had this VHS tape um, of Sailor Moon. And that was, like, one of the first um, anime movies I ever watched, ever. And then Inuyasha was probably, like, the second anime I ever watched. And that was, like, on uh, Adult Swim when they used to have, like, they had, like, different time slots back then. So, like, all the anime slots would be, like, at, like, 9 or, like, 8 o'clock or something. And it would, like, be every day, not just, like, on Saturdays, like how it is now on uh, Toonami. But, like, I got so interested in it because... It's still a cartoon, but it's so much more complex. Like, you know, I would sometimes see snippets of, like, other animes, like Blue Gender or, like, Neon Genesis Evangelion. You know, the the plots were so different and they were so more complex than regular westernized cartoons. You feel me? And it was something that interested me and it made me be like, dang, like, I I want to definitely, like, make something like that I wanted to make something like you know something maybe like very girly and like fantasy like or like psychological and trippy that was kind of like definitely something that was incredibly influential to my uh growing up and like my art influence incredibly influential yeah I can see that in your the the graphic art that she made I can see those Mm -hmm. inspirations yeah Anime, I never got really into it. I watched Naruto, but every time I would watch it, I just felt like I was just so lost because I would watch it like in the middle of the season. Oh, hell like, yeah. Dragon Ball Z, I would just watch it in the middle of the season. I would They're like really- soap operas. They're like cartoon soap operas. Like you really yeah. gotta, you gotta pay attention because one episode you're like, what happened? Like who died? Why do they like, it's, it's too much going on. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. How did you get into painting? Like well, as far went, as like painting, I, not not realistic, but more realistic figures or painting fine art paintings. I actually went to a performing art. Actually, let me start from the beginning. So when I first got into painting, you know, my parents and my my grandma they found out I, I was you know I had some type of artistic skill talent, and then my grandma she ended up taking me to this recreation center somewhere. Um, and like, I took art classes for a little bit. I can't really remember much. It was more so like learning a little more about color theory and like, it was a little more prestigious, like for a recreation center at a park, they were really like, no, these are like the principles of art. This is design. Da, 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 da. And then, um, after that middle school, you know, you take little art classes and that was whatever. I, I didn't really care for it. And then fast forward, I'm in high school. I ended up getting accepted into a performing arts school and my my major elective was really supposed to be art and 
that's when I really started learning a little more, like paying more attention to art and art history and principles of design, um, color theory for real, for real, like really learning how to um, mix colors. A lot of people don't know that, like people don't know how to mix colors for one. It's, it's a whole method to it. It's a whole like real life art to it. Um, and then just how colors really are so important and how they stimulate the mind in certain ways and how it's used in advertising and stuff. But mm-hmm. basically um, I, um, in school, I started getting into painting just cause I had to for class and watercolor was, was something interesting um, and just impressionism, just being able to learn different techniques. We started off with actually not even watercolor. I think it was like acrylic, like old school, cheap ass water acrylic and just learning how to apply colors and apply those thick strokes in a more impressionist style. That's when I really started learning how to like paint, paint, but I I didn't really like it actually because I'm the type of person likes to take my time and you know, it's a little embarrassing, but I really ended up like with terrible grades in art because if my work wasn't done or if it wasn't how I wanted it to look, I didn't even turn it in. I was like, nah, this is trash. Like, fuck it. Um, and it made me kind of like have a disdain for painting for a while until I got into watercolor, like for real, for real um, in college. And then that's when I really learned like how to be more patient and how to really I don't know. I just found a new, like a whole new love for, for painting, for watercolor, essentially, because, you know, watercolor, yes, it can be very like transparent and washes, but you can make it opaque. And there's so many ways to like, there's so many different techniques, um, so many different brushes you can use. And that's when I kind of discovered, like, I was starting to begin to like, you know, trying to find my niche. And part of my niche is definitely the use of color and like the dynamic movement of color in a painting. Like how can I make colors move without actually making them move, you know? Or how can I really, how can I really put some type of atmosphere using a whole mess of colors in a different unconventional way. And that's when that's what I really started doing. I started making people's faces or bodies like three or four different colors. Like they would be like pastels, purples. Um and then I just started getting really good at it. I, I started really loving it. And I started getting really good at it. And that's when I was pretty much pretty much adequate at being able to draw like realistic shit. And then that's when I started getting bored. And, you know, that's when I, I started really trying to kind of grow out of, you know, the more realist realism style um, and applying something more surreal. Again, something that, that, projects movement mm-hmm. movement through lines or exaggeration of you know figures and I started looking into different 
um, expressionist artist. Like there's this German expressionist. His name is uh, Kirchner. Uh, old, 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 old guy. He's obviously dead now. But he his work was so cool to me because it was it was pretty much like I think like around World War One and or basically, you know, he would do a lot of um just paintings of people, just street people, you know? And he'd kind of he'd kind of, you know, incorporate different styles of that, like not just the movement and not just you know, doing different exaggerations of people's bodies and faces, but he incorporated primitivism. Like, and if people don't know what primitivism, it's really just, it's it's more so like people get primitivism from African art, mostly from like masks. And the faces of the people would be very warped and mask-like and they'd have like these really cool expressions or even just there, the, the expression would definitely also come from the colors he was using. It was almost like a violence of the colors he was using. And there's this one specific painting. Oh man, I'm trying to remember what it's called, but it's something on the lines of like, there's no, there's no faith in the city or something. But it's basically about like the painting is of a little girl. She's about to get struck down by a trolley. Like she's she's looking face into this trolley that's about to run her over. Um, and it's it's something that's I don't know. It's it just stuck with you. Yeah. Oh no, it's called There's No Innocence in the City. It definitely stuck with me because he he's portraying There's like, No Innocence in the City. Yeah, there's no innocence in the city. It's kind of like, I don't know, just being able to project how the world, the world how it is and how devastating it can be, how hellish it can be, how worldly it could be. His paintings were very worldly to me. That's what I liked about it. Nah, not William Blake. Uh, His name was Kirchner. I forgot his first name. Kirchner. Yeah. How do you spell that? Uh. K I R C H E or I'm sorry, C H N E R. Yeah. I don't know why I thought William Blake. I just Googled no <laughs> City and then that was the version that came up. Um Ernest, Ernst Ludwig Kirchner. Yeah, he was he was um he was something else. He actually killed himself. Like he wanted to get drafted into the army during World War Two, and he was German, but they didn't like him because of his art. German, what? like the Gestapo, they were not into art that was not producing like World War Two propaganda. It was not mm-hmm. if it wasn't producing Nazi propaganda at a certain prompt or you know a certain style, then they burned it. They hated it, and he was also gay, so mm-hmm. he killed himself. Um, yeah, but I'm not mad because, you know, he obviously wanted to be a Nazi. He was just a gay wannabe Nazi. And yeah, oh, I don't know. He wanted don't like to that. be a Nazi. Yeah, he wanted to get drafted. He wanted he wanted to serve in the war. And they said no. They were like, definitely no. Like, you're gay and you make art. We cannot take you. So he was That's like. crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. Wild. 
but I love his art, which sucks. I don't know. Yeah, his his art looks very, it moves a lot and the colors are just so vivid. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, what, what school, what high school did you go into? Uh, it was a school in Long Beach, uh, Eastside Long Beach called Renaissance, Renaissance High School for the Arts. Man, I remember like before I even went to school, I was so mad because most of my friends weren't going there from middle school. Mm. And like, typically I just wanted to go to a regular high school. I didn't want to go to a performing arts school. I thought it was going to be like high school musical, I thought it was going to be, like, fame, and, like, I was not into... I wasn't into any of that stuff. Like, you know how, like, you know, Teen Vogue had, like, all the Disney stars and, like, Camp Rock and Jonas Brothers? I hated all that. I didn't like Hannah Montana. I didn't like none of that. So I thought my experience was going to be... What? Yeah, I was that kid. I didn't I didn't like it. I hated it. I hated it. it. Like, I did not like it. Um, um, but you know, that's what I thought my experience was going to be like as soon as I walked in through the gates and it totally was not like, it was a regular high school. Um, it was just very small. My high school is super small. It was like 500 kids and like 20 something teachers. Like we were like literally a little village. It was crazy. And I guess like my class, we were so close and like so tightly knit and you know, the way my school was, like, our um, our musical productions were, like, the biggest things that happened, like, within the school year. So by the time I was, like, in 11th, 12th grade, we definitely were, like, fame. Like, we definitely, like, it would be, like, high school musical. Like, you know how, like, you know, like, in, like, the super cliche, like, musicals in class, like, people start tapping with their pencils and it makes a beat and stuff, and then people just start singing. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that's how it would be, like, in Spanish class. Like, it would be so funny. And it, I had a great high school experience. I feel bad for people that had a crappy one, but I had a great high school experience. I didn't think I would, but it was great. Super dramatic, but it was super worth it at the same time. That's Although, like, amazing that your parents found a, a high school like that where that could cater to your skill set. Yeah, my mom snapped. She definitely snapped because I was not liking it. My dad did not want me to go either. And like, even then, it's it's funny because while I was um, at Renaissance, I kind of fell off of art. Like, I always doodled and stuff, but again, like, I didn't have good grades in art class. Like, I had terrible grades in art class, and it really kind of, it kind of discouraged me. It also because I thought I was, like, hot stuff going into Renaissance, and then you see all these other kids that literally also went to this school for, like, visual arts, and you see them, like, drawing hyper-realistic rabbits and I'm over here like struggling trying to paint on a fan you know and then I was just like nah so then I ended up getting super into theater and super into dance um and I kind of stopped taking art classes I was over art when I was in high school I was super over it after like 10th grade Hmm. yeah when I didn't go to art school but I did take art classes and I took business classes like um I think it was called like DECA classes, um, like an entrepreneur type of class. And cool. some like makeup fashion class that was taught by someone that wasn't even into fashion. <laughs> what? Um, the fashion classes, I think I I just, since it was, it wasn't, since it wasn't being taught by someone that was actually of interest in, in it, 
um, it was a public school and uh, the public schools in Florida, uh, they're not the greatest as far as what programming. Yeah. So even though they had those art, those art programs and the business programs, if you didn't have a passionate teacher that actually studied and actually believed in art, it didn't turn out. It wasn't fun, honestly. I I didn't do well maybe the first two years because I just wasn't in it. But then my mom yeah. was like, my mom's a teacher. She was like, no, you got to do better than this. Um, so, so I had to tighten up. But I probably, if she didn't tell me that, I probably would have just left the classes. I feel that. It's, it's crazy because, like, most of our teachers, like, we had a really small staff of teachers. Again, like, it was 23, like, 20 to 23 teachers for 500 students. And for the most part, I I definitely think, I, like, out of all the teachers that had, like, a creative class, the theater teacher, Miss Thrasher, she was a true thespian. Like, she was incredibly passionate. We had to do um, a director's project, which basically took a whole semester. Was it a whole semester? Yeah, it was a whole semester. Um, it was. It took a whole semester for us to do this project. And basically, she made us really work like directors. She made us find a play that we wanted to do to, like, basically direct, like, a whole act from a play. Um, and then we had to do our research. We had to do our research on the setting, the time, the costumes, blocking. Like, we had to plan the stage blocking. We had to do the lighting props like everything everything but it gave me so much insight and it really made me like I thought it was so cool and it's cool but yeah just to be able to, to be able to go into different mediums that probably yeah. kind, of, kind of what molded you to want to explore even more as an adult yeah definitely because like subconsciously I, I still always wanted to have my own like cartoon show or and like just just being able to even like get that type of information like on how to even start how to direct my own thing that that is something like I'll always always apply like that was super super important time for me and it was so much fun too like I remember we did this one play called Blood Wedding and it's actually based on something that happened like in Spain in like the 1920s I think and it's basically about this woman she's in love with her cousin like it's wild like and her and her cousin, like, they stopped seeing each other because obviously it's taboo. Like, you can't be in love with your cousin. And it's so, like, the whole dialogue of the play, it's a tragic play, by the way. The whole dialogue of the play is, like, so foreshadowing and so dramatic and dark. And there's so many, like, there's so many words that they use, like, symbolic words um a lot of them in spanish as well and basically like there were so many kids in our class that it had to be like more than one person playing the same role but it was still so much fun and we were still able to do it but basically like the whole story was this woman she's about to get married and her cousin like that she's in love with visits her and you know he's like it's so dramatic. He's talking about like how he's like trying to throw sand in his eyes because like he loves her, but he knows it's like painful. You feel me? Like when he sees her, it's like painful or something. And basically on the wedding night, they're all having a good time. And after the reception, 
she disappears. The groom is looking for her, and then they find out she ran away with her cousin. So then the groom tracks the cousin down, and they fight to the death, and they die. And then, you know, Shorty's looking stupid. And towards the end, like, everybody's crying and mourning, and there's, like, this huge monologue. I can't even remember. But what's so, like, comedic about it, not necessarily in the story, but just how, like, we all had to play was, like, I didn't know that they used to pay people to mourn. Like, you know, lost people, like, lost ones or, you know, people that passed. Like, people literally get paid to, like, sob and cry and, like, literally, like, rip their hair out for somebody that died. And, like, we had to literally do that towards the end of the play. That's something I'll never forget. Super funny. Wow, that sounds like an amazing experience. (laughs) Just to be able to be in a a whole theater uh, show, like, especially, like, I feel like with theater entertainment, they're super expressive and they're super, like, once you're in a sign a character, you have to kind of be you that have to commit. You have yeah. to commit. You have to be that character. Yeah. And that's what was so much fun, too. Like, I definitely had a, a small passion for, like, acting. And I remember we also had, like, a monologue project. And me and, like, a couple of the Black girls, we all did a monologue from for colored girls. And most of them, like, people were really teary-eyed after them. But that was something that was also really fun. Ooh, yeah, we did, it was so, we just did so much fun stuff. Like, I'm, like, starting to, like, recall everything, like, recollect, like, all, like, the stuff that we did. We did, like, we did, um, my first year, I wasn't part of the the musical, but the whole, like, school production for the first semester, I think, was a musical called Once on This Island, and it's a Caribbean version of The Little Mermaid. Like, it was so cute. I still remember, I still remember, like, the opening song. It's super cute. A Caribbean version of the Little Mermaid. That's yeah, dope. super dope. I didn't so even what was like. Character? Oh, I wasn't in it. I just, you know, I just saw it, and I just most of my classmates in theater were in it, but I wasn't. But it was still like a really cool experience, just to see like a whole different twist to the Little Mermaid. Like, yeah, there's there are so many, and I feel like there are so many different moving parts in theater. You got the, like mm-hmm. you have. Mm-hmm, just something definitely. going on with the characters, the people behind the scenes, people oh, getting, yeah. getting the characters ready, all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, my school is dope. You know, like, after school, there was rehearsals right after, like, and they'd separate everybody into, like, different groups. Like, this group is doing the dancing first. This Or actually, it was, like, there'd be dancers for the musical. There would obviously be singers for the musical. And then there'd be, like, a collective. Like, sometimes it would be, like, certain parts of the musical where people would be both singing and dancing. And then, obviously, like, you know, the main cast and et cetera, et cetera. We did a lot of cool productions. Like, we did Seussical, the musical, which is basically a Dr. Seuss musical. We did The Wiz. We also did The Wizard of Oz. And we even had a dog. We had a Toto. We had a real life Toto. He was so cute. What's a Toto? <laughs> Girl, the dog. The dog from The Wizard okay. of Oz. <laughs> I didn't know that was his I didn't know that was the dog's name. <laughs> Toto. His name's Toto. <laughs> I barely remember the dog, actually. Uh, yeah. All I can remember is um the main characters. Yeah. Toto is a main character. You're tripping. 
Nah, I don't feel like this. <laughs> <laughs> you don't feel like he, he the one. He's not really part of the cast. <laughs> I feel like he's a side character. Dead. <laughs> but yeah, so, man. So, so how did you? So how would? How did you get into customizing, customizing clothing and styling? Because I, I, I see that you've been doing some works. Yeah. And, um, for first like a couple years ago i was actually doing like to direct a garment um and i would make like my own prints on like t-shirts and stuff because i had digital pieces and some people wanted them um on their t-shirts so that's how i really first first started um but then like i felt in a way like it just wasn't how i wanted it to look um and then i started doing direct a garment for other people which is pretty cool because, you know, it made money and it was still it was still just something cool to be able to, like, work with a design a designer and just see, um, you know, how they want certain, like, typography positioned or, like, how just to see their designs and all the whole process and everything. But I I don't know. I just came to a realization, like, last year. Well, a couple years ago, actually, but I, a whole bunch of stuff happened. I just wasn't able to really airbrush on T-shirts um, anymore. But basically, I I wanted a way to compartmentalize like my art in ways I can sell it, but still feel like I'm not slutting my art out. You feel me? Like I was making prints and stuff, and I would make a lot of money, but in a way, I just felt like it kind of cheapened my work, and I hated that. Like, I, I didn't really make art. I don't necessarily make art for people or just for it to sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's never really in my first mind to do that. Um, and I had a really hard time adjusting to that and trying to find ways to, like, have still still satisfy my integrity as an artist and then also being able to capitalize from my art, but not in a way where I feel like I'm exploiting myself. You feel me? Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of came to that conclusion like last year and was able to like really, really mm, like show myself a way, just show myself a way, a different way of being able to make money off art and still have my artistic uh, integrity, still being able to make art for me and then compartmentalize, you know, certain works that I have for people. Because people want to, people want my art. And I, I love that. I love that. And I love the concept of putting your art on clothes or even designing clothes because, you know, clothes are a lifestyle. Like I always, I always love fashion. I love fashion and design and even streetwear because people are living in these clothes like you're experiencing in these clothes you it's memorabilia it's nostalgia like you have a pair of tennis shoes that are wrecked they're they're totaled but you love them and you don't even want to give them up you don't want to throw them away because there's so many memories packed into those beat up shoes you feel me and that's something that I kind of came to that conclusion that I wanted to I wanted to, you know, I wanted to add to my art. That's something I didn't want to take away from my art. And mm-hmm. 
being able to incorporate that into a different medium and for me to love it just as much as a consumer, just as much as this person that loves my art. Um, and I came to that conclusion like last year. And that's when I started airbrushing because I, I didn't really, I don't, I don't necessarily like the look of painting on cotton fabric, like on, on t-shirts or jackets or pants. I don't like that. I don't like the look. Um, it's subjective, obviously, you know, to each his own. But for me, for me as an artist, I know that's not something that I wanted to do. But I always liked airbrush. I love the look and the, the light, the light strokes and the airiness of airbrushing. And then, you know, a lot of my digital pieces, they look airbrushed. Like a lot of the, the, the digital tools I use are usually the airbrush tool. Um, cause I, I just like the airiness. I love the, the flow. I love the smoothness of airbrushing. Um, so that's what kind of really made me like jump off and really want to be like, yeah, I want to start airbrushing on t-shirts type shit. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, I think it's important as artists cause artists to remember the integrity and, and how important it is to still hold your personal ideas and thoughts uh, to a certain standard and remembering that, you know, yes, you should be able to make money off the things that you love. Yes, you should be able to create pieces that sell, but you shouldn't be doing it in a way where you're taking away from your happiness, one, and what you originally started creating art from. Uh, I think that's something a lot of artists have to decide when they're creating art. Like, are you making this for yourself or are you making it for someone else? Um, Precisely. And that can be a struggle because you could be making something that just won't be received well at the time that you're making it, Mm -hmm. you know? And... And that does that does a number on an artist sometimes. Like if you, for some artists, like I felt like my head started getting big also when I was putting out digital works and stuff, and you know I would get pretty good reception, and then sometimes I wouldn't. And like obviously I know my work is the shit. Like I love my work regardless, but it still would in a way like kind of kind of you know hurt my ego a little bit. You know it'll put a little crack in my ego just because mm-hmm. I felt like oh this isn't going to sell type shit. But I had to like really step back from that notion and then also just like I had to really keep it a band with myself like I don't want to be like all these other artists I don't want to just put out prints and just put my art on t-shirts I don't want to just do that you feel me like I wanted to do something more with my art because I have certain vision and again like how you were saying a certain standard for my art and I should be able to uphold that standard even if it's going to take longer even if you know I'm not even if it's it's going to be harder for me I think it's more worth it if I'm still getting what I want out of it as well as a consumer. I agree. The thing is, as artists, you have to remember that you're a visionary. So sometimes it might just click with people. Sometimes it takes some time for people mm-hmm. to click. Because even yeah. with my my art, like I've been doing art for years. I've been doing events for years. I've been doing things for years. But I like I personally haven't experienced that breakthrough with audience really connecting until like as of recently and it took time but 
I had to, you have to always remember, and I had to always remember that it's not about the instant gratification that you want to receive from your art. It's more about right. like creating something that is a work of art and not just something for the moment. Right. So that I get that. I get that one thousand percent. Like it's something that you have to constantly remind yourself, especially in this day and age of technology, because you see so many other people that, you know, are seemingly getting all that reception and like, you know, the funds and stuff from fans and, you know, their work is different from yours and it makes you, or sometimes like some artists, you know, they even feel like just from hearing perspective from other artists and how they perceive other artists you know and their work and how they're getting reception like you know it may not necessarily be good product or you know good content it sometimes may seem like something very lazy or just something to be put out for the masses because they know the masses will like it but Regardless, you got to kind of have tunnel vision. You got to know what you want. You got to just be focused on you um, and just not not get envious or or any anything like that. You just got to really know what you want in art, as an artist and kind of just, just remain in that mode, I guess. Yeah. I, I always think that if you believe in something or if you like it, that someone else eventually will find it and also cherish mm-hmm. it because there's so many different niches. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many different niches and so many different um, subcategories that more than likely there's one where someone else's art can be in. Right. Exactly. And also it's not a competition. Like I feel like sometimes artists get like this weird competitive streak with other artists and it's like it's not even about it's not about that it's not about that at all yeah and sometimes it seems like someone is just not getting that it's just they're getting the attention immediately but it can be something that they've been working on for years that you you just now might have just noticed so you feel Mm -hmm. you you sometimes people will feel like wow they just they just got on, but it was probably more than likely someone that's been working for six plus years, seven plus years, and it had just now catched on. Right. Right. Yeah. Speaking about the airbrushing, I love airbrushing. I feel like airbrushing is like it is an underappreciated uh medium. Oh, hell yeah. Definitely. And like there's so many there's so many ways to airbrush too. Like I really right now I use an airbrush gun. I use two different airbrush guns, but I definitely wanna use like actual spray paint too, you know? Yeah. Because I want to start doing airbrush can be a little bit expensive because there's so many parts to it. Mm, yeah, I mean I feel like that's just how it is as an artist though. Like you're gonna you're gonna have to spend money. Like you're gonna have to spend money on on your paraphernalia, period. Like you gotta spend money on your tools, especially if you want something good quality. And it's worth it. You just gotta that's another thing too. Like I, I have to learn, like I feel like I need to learn how to like budget a little more 
and really kind of like incorporate the cost of labor, cost of goods that I'm using as I'm producing goods, you know? Yeah. I feel like I'm starting to get better at that, but it was definitely, you know, something I had a little trouble with, but not, I mean, airbrushing can be expensive. Like it, it's, it's annoying. It's definitely annoying. Um, it's just annoying. I have nothing else to say on that. Yeah. I mean, it is worth it. Definitely. I guess the quality. I don't know why I even said that because some the things that I do can be expensive too, but I think uh, that's just something that people just tend to think, well, I tend to think about. Uh, it's like, how much does it cost to invest in doing something like that? I guess that's just like the business side of me jumping out right now. <laughs> Yeah, no, nah, I feel that like you, especially now, like when I was younger, when I was like in my like 19, 20, 21, I would just be spending willy nilly. Now I'm like on my calculator, like how much does this cost? How much, how many of these can I make to get this much? Like, so I feel you. I definitely feel you on that. Yeah. Are there any um other projects that you're working on right now? Man, I'm always working on, like, three projects at once. Um, They're still under wraps, so uh, I'm still trying to put out a one-of-one capsule for um, my airbrush tees. That's something that I'm definitely working on doing still. Um, But other than that, I'm on the hush-hush. You'll see it when you see it when you see it. Okay. I respect that. I can't wait to see that capsule. <laughs> yeah, man. It's going to be fire. Is, is it going to be, like, do you mind sharing how many pieces you're thinking? I was thinking of doing, like, a dozen. Um, and I have a couple collabs that I've been working on. But, you know, due to COVID, everything has been kind of on hold. So hopefully when things are a little less hectic. Um, I can get get a little more things like going, but I'm I'm really not in any rush. I'm definitely not in any rush. But my uh, I have a a friend. She crochets and she can crochet any and everything. So she's somebody that I definitely was working on um collabing with. Um, and we actually did a we did do actually a little collab. One of my photo shoots for one of the airbrush tees um, I did earlier this year, uh, I had a hat on and it kind of looks, it was supposed to resemble a jellyfish and a bluish, like tealish, sea green, sea blue jellyfish. And she was able to do that. Like she did an amazing job. It's on my Instagram. If you want to check it out. Um, what's her, what's her name? Uh, her name is Demorier, but her Instagram is hooked by Chantel. Like Chantel, C H A N T E L. But she's incredible. She is, she is definitely like one of my favorite creatives, and you know, working in crochet and textile, she's incredible. She has a crazy mind, just like me. Like whenever we link up and we talk. We talk about like ideas or collabs or just what she's working on, what collection she's she's willing to put out. Like we just we have like this crazy um this these crazy conversations 
on what to do next or like how to how to pull this off or like for the photo shoot like what do you want to do just just visuals just everything she's she's a crazy creative she's definitely slept on I definitely like I wish her like the utmost prosperous like future because she's definitely she's definitely incredibly talented and she works quickly too she works very very fast Hmm. I can't even imagine what a jellyfish crochet would look like. Oh man, I'm a I'm gonna send it to you. It looks crazy. It's crazy. Like I was trying, I've been trying to wrap my head around it. Like a jellyfish crochet. <laughs> How? Yeah, I I sent her like a whole mood board, and I made an illustration. Um, I made an illustration of the the airbrush piece before I even airbrushed it on the t shirt. And then I sent the image to her um, of the illustration. I sent the illustration to her so she could like kind of get uh, an idea of what I wanted. And she 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 killed it. She was able to do that to the T. That's dope. I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys create. Yeah. Oh man, you don't even know. You don't. You don't know. Like you literally don't know. <laughs> but you'll find out. It's gonna be great. So, um, it was great having you on Nicole's Easy on Air. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, and, it was great. It was great talking to you, too. And I wish you much success in your future endeavors. Like, Thank you, man. I'm super glad that you even reached out to me. Just seeing your brand grow, too. Like, it's crazy. Um, I can't wait to see more from you. Like, I definitely want to buy some stuff. And, like, just how you have been making your brand so sustainable, I really love that. Like, I remember seeing, like, your posts on, like, vegan leathers, like, fruit leather, like, mushroom leather. Like, that shit blows my mind. And I just can't wait to see more from you. Definitely can't. Yeah. Thank you. I think the last – I think – I found out about you through old friend when we were doing the creative district. And I think oh, I just, yeah. I just kept following you. I just like, wow, her work is amazing. Like, I think I was like in high school, but I just kept looking at yourself like, wow, how was she doing this? <laughs> That's crazy. Thank you, man. I'm, I'm just glad. I'm glad we were able to connect in this way. This is very, very cool. Super honored, really. Me too. Thanks for tuning in to Nicole Zizi on air. Make sure to visit our website, NicoleZZStudio.com and Instagram, Nicole Zizi Studio, where you can subscribe to our list for updates on the show.